Hi, it's Nick Brown, Editor-in-Chief of ADC. Welcome to March Atoms. The theme this month is Heads Above Parapets. Little bit obtuse as a way of starting, but if I expand on this, one could say that putting one's head above the parapet is a term synonymous with guts, with bravery, risking exposure, opprobrium and exclusion. It's particularly germane in the scientific world where the middle of the road approach, in other words, the more research is needed type of a conclusion is safer. Each of the pieces I'm about to discuss took bravery and as a result, each is stronger and more informative than had it not done so. We'll start with global child health and intimate partner violence. Sadly, exposure to intimate partner violence direct or witnessed in the home is ubiquitous. NAGFONG uses DHS data to assess the effect size of IPV on subsequent reported common childhood illness in Cambodia. Children and mothers with any reported type of IPV are significantly more likely to have had diarrhoea, acute respiratory infection and fever in the two weeks before the standard DHS interview. The pathways here are complex but even allowing for potential reporting biases, the findings are in keeping with the well-known central immune-suppressing effects of chronic psychological stress, an issue adherent to many spokes of the Sustainable Development Goals, equally relevant in high-income countries as in Sub-Saharan Africa and South Asia. On those lines, financial emancipation. Roji Roti, literally daily bread, is a form of microfinance that involves the formation of women's self-help group in which individuals donate small weekly sums to a pool to enable the provision of loans to group members, the size of which increase over time. Odja tests Roji Roti in a cluster randomised trial in a poor rural setting in Bihar, India, using nutritional status as the outcome. In short, the villages were randomised to receive roji roti at the outset or after 18 months. Primary analysis comparing mean weight for height z-score of children under five years in the intervention versus control villages was undertaken on just over 2,000 children. The mean weight for height z-score was significantly higher for intervention than controls, and fewer of these children were wasted. But Roger Roti only appeared to protect against deterioration rather than improve nutritional status. It's known that microfinance reduces IPV and therefore conceivable that there are other less tangible outcomes in terms of family well-being as a result of participation. We'll move on to nephrology. With two myth-bunking nephrological pieces, Mudsey's systematic review on the detection rate of vesico-ureteric reflux VUR by micturating cystogram, throws the traditional late investigating camp against the early one, eight days being the chosen discriminatory cutoff. Well, the pooled prevalence of VUR were comparable, so provided infection is treated, there's a strong practical case of moving forward with the investigations and getting them done. At an even more practical level, Kaufman assesses the relative cost-effectiveness of urine collection methods, a bane of many of our lives. In an Australian emergency room, a comparison was made between non-invasive, so urine bag, a clean catch, five-minute voiding stimulation, or an invasive procedure, catheterization or suprapubic aspirate, 
in children aged 0 to 24 months. And they followed this through with a cost-effectiveness analysis. For initial collection attempts, catheterization provided the best of value per successful collection at about 26 pounds sterling, euros 30.5, and US dollars 33.8. And then increasing order of cost, suprapubic aspirate, voiding stimulation, clean catch, and then urine bag, the latter of which costs a draw dropping 93 pounds, 109 euros, US dollars 121. For definitive collection, catheterization again was the most cost effective, the time occupying hospital bed being the most significant determinator of cost. Add to all this the potential implications of follow up and unnecessary imaging on the basis of a false positive result which plague bag samples. And my inference is we should all simply relearn to catheterize. Oncology timed diagnosis. In the first of two papers, Hayden examines outcomes by first symptoms to diagnosis interval, SI, in the terminology, in children with CNS germ cell tumours referred to oncology centres. Median SI was three months, and prolonged, that is, more than six months, was seen in the third, this group having greatest metastatic disease at diagnosis, as well as central endocrinopathy. In the second, Murray describes the discussions during in consultation with the UK Children's Cancer and Leukaemia Group and consensus of a Delphi process on a practical referral criteria to augment the most recent NICE document for cancer care. The resulting 21 scenarios outline presentations that require prompt primary to secondary care referral. Many will be familiar and intuitive. Many are non-specific, but a couple in particular made me reflect. Hesitancy before prescribing oral steroids without chest x in a child with new onset, inverted commas, wheeze, and a story not typical of asthma. Is this in fact mediastinal compression? The second is of constipation in a previously well child. And the first, of course, the mediastinal mass will temporarily shrink after initiation of steroids, but this will only provide short-term respite and will simply delay diagnosis. In the second, a diversionary placebo effect might distract from a more detailed workup. Anyway, food for thought and an excellent paper. Difficult conversations. Though it's simpler to blame the obesity epidemic on lifestyle malaise, Ferguson's elegant observations from a general outpatient service shows that despite the BMI being recorded at each visit, only one of seven families of obese children was then open discussion about the issue being a problem. Interviews with their colleagues suggested a reluctance to engage on this on the grounds of the potential effect on the doctor-parent-patient relationship, time constraints, and a belief the family were already aware. Contrary to fatalistic beliefs, there are multiple effective interventions, and though individual effect sizes are small, are we not doing families a disservice by unnecessarily tiptoeing around an area with which we feel uncomfortable? Fortune, as I said at the start, favours the brave. Thanks for listening. Be sure to check out the website for more on adc.bmj.com.